It slices, it dices, it makes all your dreams come true. The Creators Collective provides information not only on woodworking, but metalworking, leather, electronics and more. But that's not all. It also comes with three hosts to answer all your creating questions. Now, listen along as James Wright, Zach Herberholtz and William Walker fumble through answering your questions live each Thursday morning. Listen in now and you can have this amazing podcast for the simple monthly installment of a Patreon subscription. But we're just getting started. And we're back for another exciting episode of the Creators Collective. We are going to have an exceptionally fun week again this week, which should be a rather fun. <laughs> I do want to say a huge thank you to our patrons on Patreon, particularly Darren Mates, Caleb Harris of You Can Make This Too, and John from John Made It. You guys are helping making making this podcast better. Thank if you'd you. like to find out more about that, you can go to Creators Collective backslash podcast, and I'm going to talk over Zach one more time. <laughs> okay. Well, I just want to say thanks. That's oh, it. is that what you said? Sorry. Yeah. Well, thank you. Is my mic loud enough? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. So if you want to join us live, we are every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern time, and you can join the live chat, have your questions answered on air, and be part of the party in the background. So we'd love to, uh, to see you there. If you can go to YouTube at the Creators Collective and join us there. So that's about it for the intro. Um, let's go into what we're working on. Zach, you got anything? Uh, yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Is it crazy? Is it crazy? Um, uh, I don't know. No, I don't think it's actually crazy this week. Nice try, Will. Oh, damn. Um, so just a lot of, uh, a lot of catching up and, and on orders and stuff. Uh, the, the night, those little mini cleavers, I finally finished those up and actually made sheaths. The first time I've made uh, knife sheaths before out of a uh, veg tan leather and, and, uh, wet formed them. Uh, they turned out really well. So that was that was a fun little learning experience. I'm pretty happy with the way those came out. Looks really sweet. Uh, thanks. Yeah, I was initially gonna like sew them, like uh, um, saddle stitch them. And if anybody's ever done saddle stitching before, it's not that it's like it's definitely not hard, but it's certainly time consuming. And especially when you're going around like contours and stuff, because you have to like punch them, and it just takes a long time. I mean, between punching all the holes, uh, you know, like just threading that it doesn't. <laughs> You know, threading threading the needles takes too too dang long. I think, um, <laughs> you know, especially if you're doing it, you know, you have to do two needles for each thing, and it's just it's one of those things where you spend so much time like just setting up to do stuff. And uh, so I figured, well, I'm gonna try doing these uh, these rapid rivets instead. And there's a picture of it on, for anybody who's curious on. That. And it really turned out well. The the rivets are really quick, and uh, yeah, I, I like the way it looks. So that was that was that was a fun little learning experience for me. So is there a difference between rapid rivets and just like the normal kind of rivets that you punch the hole and you have the two pieces and then you, you strike the, the, the rod thing, the concave? I don't know my rivet um, etymology. Would that be the right <laughs> word? I don't know. No, I don't think. Uh. <laughs> um, there, there's a lot of different types of rivets. And so the ones that I've traditionally used, like on the bags and stuff that I've done, are like the post rivets. I don't even know if that's what they're called, but it's um it's exactly what it sounds like one side has a post the other side like kind of wedges you push it and it's it's like a, a tapered and it kind of like slides down it won't come back off and then you clip the post and pound it down those are like the ones on jeans you know like that have like mm -hmm. a little uh, nipple for lack of a better word um those <laughs> are the ones that i typically use but these I, I got a press um a little like i think it's a one and a quarter ton arbor press like one of the big 
hand crank ones for like mm-hmm. punching holes and setting rivets and all that stuff. I got one of those at Tandy and uh, it's been pretty awesome. So it has these adapters so I can actually put on like the chisel, uh, diamond chisel tips for like yeah. actually when I do stitch stuff or for punching holes or for setting rivets. So it has a whole bunch of uh, little adapters and stuff. So I use the rapid rivets and yeah, they super fast and easy and I think they look good. But yeah, to answer your question, I have no idea. I have no idea which ones are actually which. Okay. So the ones that I've used only once um, were, yeah, there's two pieces. There's one piece with like a post and then the, so basically a male and a female piece. Um, and then you punch a hole with a hole punch where you want the rivet. Then you stick the post, the male end through the post and then you slip the the female on top of that, and then you just kind of punch it with a metal rod on a strike plate and it sets and there's no clipping or anything like that but it sounds pretty similar to the ones that i used but like i said i don't know but yeah i think there's at least two or three different types of rivets and i think they're all kind of the same principle but they're all just a little bit different so okay but yeah so that's did those got those all out in the mail yesterday i got a new batch of shirts in and i i can't believe it's it's like a joke every time i get an order of shirts like i just spent like i think 350 400 bucks on an order of shirts and i'm not it's not that i'm out i'm just out of certain sizes so like i ordered so many larges and extra larges because that's what i'm sold out of and then all the orders will be for like a different size this week. So seriously, every time I get like a, an order, like 25, 30 shirts in, I will, whatever size I have the least amount of, everybody orders that. And then, so I'll have like 50 shirts and I'll be like out of mediums and both gray and black in like two days. It's crazy. So <laughs> yeah, I don't understand it. So anyway, shirts, uh, just orders, shirts, getting those knives, the sheaths done. Um, I got to do some video editing and man, I've been putting that off so long. I haven't, I didn't put a video out all of July. It's been almost, yeah, it's coming up on two months since I've had a video out. Um, I've been busy. I just haven't been editing my videos cause I don't want to like, it's not that I don't enjoy the process. My mind just hasn't been in like video editing mode, but I'm planning on doing some of that today. Um, got the, the, the one I'm working on right now and it's almost done. It's the, uh, the anvil stand for that new, uh, Fontanini anvil, 250 pound anvil that I got. So, um, yeah, hopefully I'll have that one out sometime in the next, within the next for sure. I think cool. that's everything. Cool. Yeah. Hank corrupted <laughs> by Ons asked, uh, any concern with the cutting edge of the knife rubbing against the inside of the rivet? Um, no. <laughs> do they hold uh, the leather tight enough so the blade can't touch it is the second part of that question uh you know well i think it's it's kind of like i mean if you think about it i'm gonna try and demonstrate but you know the the rivets kind of create like a channel so i don't think there's enough i mean the the, the blade actually slides up and down through like kind of a taper above the rivets so the blade, the edge isn't touching the rivets. I mean, the leather is stiff enough um, to where the rivets don't have to be super close to the edge to actually have to, to hold it in place. Um, so, yeah, I'm not really too concerned with that. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's really neat. I mean, they kind of they lock into place. I mean, they pop in there when you do the wet forming. It kind of creates little creates a little home for the knife in there. So I'd like to figure out how to make it because they're the perfect size for like a belt. I want to like create a sheath where you could actually stick it on your belt. 
um, someday. So yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. what you got, Will? Oh, uh, marking knives. Um, so I finished up, well, I was doing two marking knives, but chalk it up to learning. I kind of destroyed the first knife blank, um, chasing, chasing a bevel. Um, they were the, so I, all right. So I did the first marking knife, uh, blank, uh, and it was kind of a, a very petite, petite blade. Uh, and it, it, I ground too much. So I actually ground the final, I ground to the back. So there was actually an edge before I heat treated and everything. Um, and then when I went back to go grind the, both, uh, of the knife blanks, one, the more petite of the ones I, uh, I got the bevel off, uh, on the center line and I kept chasing it, trying to get it centered again. And, and finally kind of just ate away all of that. But the second one, the second marking knife, um, turned out so good. Awesome. The only problem is the handle cracked when I, when I wedged it in, I saw that. After I, t- <laughs> I was so bummed. I was like, no, uh, but it, uh, it's razor sharp and I used it to cut some, uh, to lay out some dovetails for dovetail practice yesterday. Um, and it's just it's so nice having uh, having marking knives so i'm going to batch out um some of those i've got some steel on order it should arrive today per zach's recommendations um i ordered some 1075 1080 from admiral steel uh and it's actually in their like their discount uh section i just ordered some like three days ago and there was no discount so oh really or it wasn't in the discount section uh, this is eighth by, I did uh, eighth by one inch, eighth by inch and a half, and eighth by two inch, um, all five foot sections. And they're like eight bucks a piece, I think. Oh, man. I need to see if that's still up there. Yeah. I need some and then, you know, I want to, uh, I want to try some Damascus. I want to try forging some Damascus sometime in the. That'd be cool. Um, I, need, I need inch and a half because the 15N20, which is the, the nickel E. Mm-hmm. metal for the shiny parts after you etch it that's usually at least the sources i found usually sell that an inch and a half width so okay um but yes i'm excited about that and there's a lot of interest on instagram if i did do some marking knives um people wanted wanted them so i think we're gonna do like a batch of i don't know 10 or so and uh and and sell those um do a limited edition run um what else i just looked at a big built-in bookcase job uh, out of cherry, um, a couple just bought a house and wanted to turn the formal living room into their library. Um, the only issue with that build is there's some inconveniently located windows that are like, they're not like a normal height window. They're, they're taller. So, you know, an eight foot sheet of cherry plywood would end kind of right at the top of the windows, which makes it kind of a weird detail, um, but that should be a big project. I mean, probably 10 sheets of cherry plywood, a few hundred board feet of cherry for face frames and shelving material. And uh, But that should be a good moneymaker. Um, I'm working, I'm, I'm feeling Zach's pain about editing video. I'm working on uh, the walnut pedi- twin pedestal trestle dining table video and it's such a big build that it's going to be a longer video and i keep putting it off um so i'm doing like i'm editing like an hour at a time and then i come back a few hours later and hate everything that i've done so i redo everything and i'm just kind of like spinning my wheels on this video but uh it should be a good video when it's done i'm just being my own 
harshest critic. Uh, and then last weekend we had a meetup in Richmond, Virginia. Um, Darwin Orver and I hosted a meetup at the Hardywood uh, Brewing Company in Richmond, and there's a great, great turnout. Uh, a lot of people that we that we follow, that we all follow on Instagram or know from from the YouTubes or Instagram. Um, Scott Hahn, a listener of this show, was there um, from Han Han Made. Um, Lazy Guy DIY, Adam was there. Um, Lavarn Designs, uh, she does a lot of tables on Instagram. Um, she was there. Uh, it was just a great meetup. It was a good time. Um, but yeah, that's what I got going on. How about, how about you, James? Sweet. Uh, well, I actually put out a video on carving a spoon um, a walnut spoon that I am I'm in love with it. I've I've done quite a few a good spoons spoon. carved. That is a good looking spoon. It's sexy, isn't it? I like the uh, <laughs> I like I like the handle how it's not just like a boring boring straight spoon. It's got like this nice kind of sexy curve to That's it. Right, yeah. I, I've I've done quite a few spoons um, with power tools in the past, and you know, getting a belt sander out and grinder and shaping them down with that. Um, but that was years ago, and so I, I figured it was about time I actually tried to do one with just hand tools. <laughs> um, and I picked a piece of walnut, uh, but didn't quite realize the grain on it was going quite wild. And originally, the, the spoon was going to have a, a, a suede handle, but it was just going to be more of a simple ending. But as I started cutting into it, the grain kept splitting out in different directions and created this little fishtail into it. And I'm in love with it. Um, yeah, I think it's because it actually comes to a sharp chisel point on the end. It's kind of a weird thing to like be into the shape of a spoon, but that's like that's a it's a good yeah. looking spoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so uh, it's I, I like it. It's it's like a you know it's like an artistic version. It's got and it's it's like now it. actually my my fastest growing YouTube video. Um, wow! So who would have thought? Yeah, I know spoon, it was like huh? thirty thousand views in the first day. So that's crazy. Um, yeah, so I've got that video up and going, and uh, then I'm I did my first live session on creating a turning saw last night. So I, I I'm doing a, a live video every week, usually on Tuesday, but we had to move it to Wednesday this last uh, this week. Um, and so I, I was doing a joint each week, and now I'm actually going to be doing a build over the se series of several videos. And so we're going into full detail. They're like hour long live sessions where you get to see every little mistake or problem that comes up. So those are kind of fun to, uh, to show off, but yeah, we're starting so with your turning saw. So yeah, your turning saw, I saw some pictures of it, but um, I guess I was confused as to what a turning saw is, but it looks kind of like what I would call like a bow saw where you'd have the, the pivot point in the middle and you, you know, tie in. Yeah. A, a turning saw is a type of bow saw. Um, bow saw is okay. kind of a, a broad range for anything with a blade on the outside, a stretcher in the middle and a, tensioning device on the other side okay um, and so in that you also have like uh, um, some pit saws you have continental bow saws you have your uh, buck saws they're all okay. a type of bow saw so what makes it a turning saw oh well a turning saw is a saw where the blade can turn 90 degrees so rather than being in line with the frame it can actually turn 90 degrees to the frame and it's kind of more or less focused on the bandsaw equivalent in hand tools. Um, so usually a thinner blade, like quarter inch or three eighths, something of that nature. Um, some of the continental si style blades might be up to an inch and a quarter wide, um, but most of the time they're they're a thinner blade used for anything you would cut on a bandsaw. So uh, the bigger brother to the coping saw. Okay, excellent answer. 
<laughs> yeah, I think um, the, the the term turning refers to the idea that you can turn the blade, uh, but most people kind of think of it as a turning size and it will turn in the cut. So if you're doing large swoops, it will aid you in that. But I'm, I'm doing this one as a really artistic version of it. So it'll be very um, organic shaped and carving and every inch of this will have some textured surface or, or carving into it. So it should be a, a very fun project to follow along with. Uh, let's see what else I got going on. Oh yeah, later today, or if you're listening to this, you probably have seen the video come out. I did a video on restoring a handsaw handle um, and and well, specifically replacing the horn on the top. Um, so if they ever fall or break off or you're ever restoring an old saw, a lot of them are missing the horn from previous breaks. It's actually a fairly quick fix and uh, a very fun one. Oh, speaking of restorations, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that video, James, because I do restore a lot of old hand tools. Um, but a friend of mine, Dave Smith, who was at the meetup last weekend, uh, was telling me that he's intimidated by hand planes. Um, and that he didn't know kind of how to get started, but he found his dad's old hand planes. And I said, Oh, that's great. Bring them over to my shop. We'll, we'll restore them. We'll get them in working order and, you know, get you off to the races. Um, but he said, well, I don't know that they need that much restoring because they're still in the original boxes and their turn of the century, turn of the 20th century, Stanley, a Stanley number two, uh, a, uh, a router plane, a number four, and something else, but he has the original boxes from like 1900 and they look like clean, almost, almost brand new, just need a little touch up, but he doesn't know how to use them. And so I'm really excited. We're going to bring him into the shop. We're going to do a video on them. Um, but I, I just thought you guys should, uh, especially you, James would like to hear about such things. They're probably <laughs> worth some, some, some crazy. Some cool. Yeah. I think they're worth, they're probably worth more, uh, in sentimental value than they are, um, monetarily um well i have my my uh router plane is actually um original stanley when i got it i was basically the first person that still had tags on it in the box and they're usually at that condition around 150 to 200 bucks okay i thought like the Uh, old stanley number twos are like one of the most yeah um in the box number ones well the number two in the box is uh you could probably get 400 bucks for it yeah. Wow, I'll that's, let him what, know. that's what I'm saying. I think that I think he's actually sitting on some some high dollar gear yeah. there. Especially number two, the box, that adds the, a lot. In, yeah, either the number two or the number eight. If they're in the box, it's one of the hardest ones. One of the hardest ones to come by, other than the number one. Yeah, yeah. And I was gonna say, you know, number two, you don't really ever use as a. Oh room. no, no. You, number two is actually a really useful smoothing plane. Really? Yeah. See, yeah, yeah I've actually, read. I use mine quite a bit. Interesting. It's great for hangnails. <laughs> Everything I've read, like uh, Chris Schwarz, you know, wrote about a number two, um, where number one, you know, they speculated that it was probably better for uh, aging carpenters that had a hard time holding a block plane um, with arthritic hands, uh, that a number one, they would reach for that over a number. I I think the number ones are like, I mean, they look like novelty items. They look like a minute, like a miniature, like they're just so ridiculously small. Like you can even... I feel like you can't even like get your fingers in there to to turn the adjuster, but yeah, yeah. The number two is actually it's it's large enough that I can still get my hand in the handle. Um, whereas the number one, I can get two fingers in there. I can't get anything more. Um, and it's such a small sole, but you can still get your palm behind it and force it, unlike a block plane. 
um, that allows you to then smooth spot smoothing on a board. So you're not actually having to, uh, you know, with the number four, you end up covering a much larger area. Whereas with the number two, you can just hit a small area to smooth out that, that section. <laughs> Make Brooklyn says a number one looks like you should hang it from a rear view mirror. Which <laughs> yes. my thoughts exactly that, was uh, that would be amazing instead of the dice you hang at number one you know uh, and then people break through when she'll just steal it because <laughs> yeah. because we we all know that um you know looters and criminals know the value of number stanley number one hand play. yeah hey you know a down and out down and out woodworker you know it's hard to make money in this business so it's true, it's true. <laughs> uh well cool we're yeah, what's going on? Uh, we? You were restoring yeah. a horn on a handsaw. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, restoring a hand. So it should be kind of fun. I'm actually, I I wanted to replace the handle with something original because I think um, it was originally an apple wood handle. Um, I don't quite know. Sometimes they're they're hard to identify. Uh, and so I was I was looking for something similar. And I thought about using cherry, but it wasn't quite going to match. If I want to, if I wanted to make it match, I wanted to make it you know match. Um, I didn't want to get close. And so I thought, you know, since I can't get it right on, I'm going to do something fun. And so I made the horn out of Paduke and it, it looks cool. And it, the, the, the fun thing about it is that once it's once you put BLO on it, it's it's it has a darker, richer red tone to the wood. And so it kind of goes with it in that it's a matching family color, but it's not quite as uh, the, the Paduke is just bright. And so it, it kind of stands out and makes it look interesting. So I was very, very, very happy with how it came out. But uh, yeah, you'll have to see the video later. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Uh, do we have any questions? Uh, yes, we do have one from uh, Moonshine Metalworks. Um, you guys are all well-established YouTube makers, but can you still remember your first really popular video and how many views blew you away um, then as compared to now? Uh, so my first video, my assembly table, which people still talk to me about, um, is still one of my most viewed videos, uh, which makes me cringe because it was way back then and I used like really campy music and uh, and I didn't do any voiceover and um, but that one I was kind of unique because uh, that video just did did really really well um, and I wasn't expecting it to but it did uh, then the second one I'm gonna use a lot of buzzwords in this was my uh, book matched live edge dining table that I made for a client uh, I've gotten to the point where I can kind of gauge what's going to be a really popular video versus, you know, what's just kind of a, I, I made this thing and then made a video on it. Um, so I knew that video was probably going to do well and it did. Um, I think it got 30,000 views in the first two weeks or something like that, which is good for me. Uh, I know you guys have much higher viewer numbers, but um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Zach. I don't know. I feel like it's like the YouTube lottery. Like it's almost certain that if it's like this is this is the one. Like I've put so much work into this. I love the design on it. I put countless time into editing, thinking about you know all of this. Then it's almost certain that that video is going to do terrible. And if it's like, hey, I'm gonna record me making breakfast and throw that up there, it's like probably gonna. It seems like what it's like a exact uh, inverse relationship between what I think is going to succeed and what actually does. The first video for me that really blew up and got me to actually quit my job uh, was the uh, industrial wall sconce video. That's almost to a million views now. I think it got like 700,000 when I first put it out. Um, and that was that was that was me peaking 
that was like the that was the best video I've ever had, and I have <laughs> never been able to achieve anything even close to that. Uh, but I have noticed, and I feel like I'm not the only one. Um, I feel like it's harder; it's become harder to get views over the past couple, like past year or two. Um, I used to, I, I, I mean, when I started this, and I think there was a lot less competition out there. There's a lot less people doing this on YouTube, but. I could pretty much guarantee that any video I'd put out would get at least, you know, 20, 30. I feel like I was actually averaging about 50 to 60,000 views per video. And now I'm lucky to get like 20, usually 20 is what I get out of a video. Um, so either my content has gotten way worse, which I don't think that's the case, or I just think that there's, there's more competition and who knows what's going on behind the scenes with YouTube and that sort of thing. Um, but I don't know. I try not to let that consume me. You know, it's yeah. I do I do what I want and it goes out every couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely I definitely think there's a consistency of upload factor. Oh, um, certainly. You know, I think James can probably speak the most to that uh, out of the three of us. <laughs> well, I can speak a lot to it too because I don't post consistency. It makes it really hard. Yeah, but, I've never had a a blow up video. Um, I only have I have four videos that have more views than I have subscribers and they're not that many more views than I have subscribers. Um, so I've never actually had one that's really exploded. Um, I have a, a few that have done well, but I, I cannot tell which ones are going to do well, which ones aren't because my, my top performing videos are throwaway videos that I like, Oh no, I've got to have a video up to stay consistent. Let's quickly shoot this thing. And those are the ones that do well. Yeah, um, it's really strange. I it's cannot really guess strange. which ones will do and which ones won't. I, but I, I, I'm, I have a very consistent flow to it. I, th I think the, the first big explosion I had was when Matt Cremona posted one of my videos, um, but that wasn't that big. Um, it's still the most subscribers I've gotten in one day. I got 400 subscribers in one day that day, which is rather kind of impressive. But That's great. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah Matt, Matt definitely helped me get, uh, get a little boost. Um, he did a I made a video and sent it to his weekly update for consideration. And uh, uh, he mentioned it on his weekly update. And I got a bunch of subscribers from that. Uh, that and the Grizzly Challenge really helped me. Really gave me a boost. Uh, but as long as you're consistent, James, like that's, I think I would go for consistency. Yeah. No, and I've had, I've had a very consistent, virality. steady upgrowth uh, that has been just a, a perfectly straight line for the last three years. So it's, you know, like, I don't know, I, I have a different approach, though. Like, I mean, I think that in each, I think it's the same for each of us is like, we do, we, we're, I don't feel like we're catering to try and like hit this algorithm. Yeah, like, no, James, you just, no. you just naturally put out a lot of content. I don't think you're doing it because you're like, okay, this is the best way to maximize my blah, blah, no. blah. I think you're doing it because it's your James and you, you know, that's what you do. Like, you, you crank out content. So I think that, uh, I I would be remiss if I were to suggest that people do everything that they think is going to maximize their, you know, do what makes you happy. That's my advice. Like I, I've never, I, I try never yeah. to compromise what I, what I want, like what I feel like doing for what I think is going to benefit me the most or what's going to like trigger the YouTube algorithm or I don't know. I feel like that's like the sprint versus the marathon. Like if you're, if you're always, looking for immediate satisfaction in the long run you're going to miss out on on the big picture so that's yeah that's my i guess yeah 
Because I mean, the thing is, is like, and it's this is what uh, Paul Jackman and I are actually doing a joint talk at the Workbench Con next year, and this is the topic we're talking about. Is like everybody talks about following the formula and like the yeah. recipes for success. And the thing is, is like you're never going to go to somebody's talk and they're going to be like, "Hi, I'm you know, hi, I'm Johnny Brook, and I'm here to talk to you about Ben Ueda's formula for success." Or you know, like it's not everybody has their own they might everybody has a formula but it's not universal i don't think people just do what they're they, they focus on their strengths and make those work to their advantage i don't think there's one one way to do it because it's pretty easy to burn yourself out especially if you have a full-time job and you're doing this on the side like keep it fun like that's why you got into it don't don't give that up to try and chase the the youtube algorithm i'm going off on a tangent but <laughs> no that's funny this that's funny. I, I am also giving a talk at Workbench Con uh, next February with uh, Rick LeFevre. Um, and we're just talking about how to make your videos better cinematically, um, how to use your camera better, how to make videos better. Um, and that's really what I focus on now is, is A, the project and uh, making my skill set better. Um, and then B, my production value, you know, making something that I would want to watch and not, you know, just making content to make content where James, I think, I feel like you are more of an educator. Um, yeah, you I know, my videos for the really long tail search results, not for yeah. anything to explode, but you've got a, you know, a really genuinely interested following of people that want to learn yeah. hand tool woodworking. So I think it's, it's, we're all so different that it's really hard to kind of pinpoint, you know, why we YouTube and, you know, searching for views yeah it's awesome when a view when a video goes just bananas but it, yeah. you don't really you don't handcrafted by on says james puts out a ton of content for the same reason he does everything else masochism yeah, that's true <laughs> yeah i mean for for me views if i get a video that goes nuts um the only thing it, it benefits is my ego <laughs> so. well you can't forget that extra 15 dollars you make for having a viral video yeah that's yeah. true yeah you can't can't forget that. Yeah. Uh, I do have a 3D printer coming uh, for free, though, so that's fun. Uh, you know, you do gain the the attention of, of brands and products. So, I don't know. YouTube's weird. <laughs> it's very weird. And to try and understand uh, it is even weirder. It just is. Hmm. It just is. All right. Well, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, the photo challenge. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, the current, the current theme uh, is symmetry. Um, so you have one more week. We will announce. We will pick our favorites next week and announce a winner. Um, use the hashtag Creators Photo Challenge on Instagram. Uh, if you're not on Instagram, then get on Instagram. And uh, <laughs> uh, so, in your workshop uh, or something to do with creating something, try to use symmetry in your imagery. Uh, try to make a well balanced image. Uh, that is the the theme for this week, post it using creators photo tag, hashtag creators photo challenge, and we'll pick our favorites and announce a winner next week. Cool. And that's why <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing this one. Yeah. There's already some uh, really good, really good entries. I've got to figure it out. <laughs> cool. Well, we have a joke of the week from uh, Fernie B creations, Fern IB creations, Fernib creations. I don't know. Fernie B. I don't know. I've got to figure that one out. Uh, why did the blacksmith take so long to make a longsword? Because he really had to draw it out. Nice. But um bum. 
that was, that was a good one. That was, that was a nice, like, easy. We don't easy get a whole lot of black, black, uh, blacksmithing jokes. <laughs> so if you have a blacksmithing <laughs> joke, uh, feel free to send it to one of us, and we'll try and get that on here. We do have a couple other jokes on the list, but uh, we always are looking for more. So thank you for the horrible dad jokes. They make everything much better. Just try to make it as my, awkward as possible. I yeah. saw my live uh, live video last night, and one of the guys uh, posted on there, "Tell us a live, tell us a dad joke." And then everyone in the group was, you know, started chanting, "Tell us a dad joke, tell us a dad joke." Did you, did you find you, you come up? With it's one? impossible to think of a dad joke off the on top the of your head while you're working on something. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I would not do well with that. It'd be a <laughs> lot of ums. <laughs> cool. Uh, let's get into what we're watching, reading. Uh, Will, why don't you go? Uh, speaking of Matt Cremona, um, I just watched his walkthrough of Canadian Woodworks, um, Paul from Canadian Woodworks slash Legacy Lumber, and holy moly, that his workshop oh, is yeah. blown, blown up. This thing is huge. He's got ridiculously big bandsaws and tools and CNCs and big slabs, the biggest, the widest cutting bandsaw mill in Canada as well as a vacuum kiln, which I had never seen before, but it makes me want one <laughs> so bad. Um, this thing is ridiculous. And he says he can take a freshly sawn log, put it in the vacuum kiln up to like a stack up to four feet high and have wood dry, like big slabs, like, like 12 quarter slabs ready in a matter of weeks. Hmm. That's insane. And I, I just want to go. I just, it makes me want to move to Canada. Like, <laughs> I, like, ah, ah. and any, uh, yeah. Anyway, go watch it. It's, it makes you want to just sell all your crap and move to Canada, like next to him and just work with him. Um, but anyway, James, what do you, yeah, you saw his, his belt sander in the, the video before that? Oh, yeah. It was like a 60 inch, not belt sander, wide. surface sander or, was it panel sander? What's the Pan, term called? Uh, I I don't know. My jaw was on the floor the whole yeah, video. You could almost put oh. me through this thing sideways. Um, it was, wow. <laughs> <laughs> he actually could put my wife through there sideways. Uh, that, okay, let's get off the top. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it got so awkward. Yeah. <laughs> what you? Oh, I'm next. That's right. Um, yeah, you're next. I've got a channel that I came across. Uh, how ridiculous. And uh, these guys, three guys in um, Australia, and uh, they drop things off of this tower that is, uh, I'm trying to remember how tall. I think they said 50 meters. So it's its its a really, really tall tower. Um, well, that ended up coming like uh, almost 200 feet. Um, but they, they will take like a bowling ball and drop it off. And so you get to kind of play in your mind in these physics and kind of guess what's going to happen. And, you know, it hits the sand and impacts. But what would happen if you take a bowling ball and you drop it off into a trampoline? <laughs> and then, you know, what would happen if you dropped an anvil on an anvil? Would the earth explode? Um, and so there's all these, these fun ideas of, of incredible things that, you, that were very surprising. Um, like Ublik, you know, the uh, cornstarch and water mixture that you can walk on, but if you stand still, you drop into it. Mm -hmm. uh, what happens if you drop a bowling ball into that or what happens if you drop a, a dart into that belly flop into it yeah oh, uh, the surface tension and so it's just a really uh the the, the physics to it were, were mind-boggling and a lot of fun and it was a, a good way to let my my brain kind of relax and go crazy at the same time so and and not to mention 
three crazy guys talking with an Australian accent. It's just, you, you, you can't not watch that video. <laughs> Definitely worth, worth taking some time and binge watching. What you got, Zach? Um, so I, I'm going to go with two of them. Uh, my, my number one is going to be uh, Keith Johnson Woodworks, uh, KJ Sawdust on Instagram. Uh, in addition to being a, a buddy of mine, he, he's been... His Instagram's just been blowing up over the past like six months, and a, a lot of it's—he's just putting out these really quick videos, like these little teasers that are really fun to watch. So, yeah, if you're not following him, but he does really cool high-end work stuff. Check him out, and also for the readers out there, uh, I'm reading an old book by Sir William Scott. It was written in the early 19th century. It's called Ivanhoe, and it's pretty unbelievable. It's really—it's kind of a, a night ish type thing about uh, the saxon huh that's that's and, actually uh, funny my, it's good. It's really really good my family just got back from edinburgh yesterday so yeah yeah and there's a big statue of sir walter scott right on prince's street it is such a good book i mean it's it's one of those it's a little bit you know it it has some of the older diction in there and he you know there's a lot of some be thou thy air type stuff in there but um it's just i mean it's so people just don't generally write like that anymore not the words but like just how intricately woven and that it's just so good i mean it's and uh it's i think it's one of the earlier references that actually you know robin hood's in it he's not the main character but um, it's just so cool it's you're reading the book and you're like oh my god robin hood's here this is crazy uh and you, you just don't expect it it's just built really really well and uh yeah so for anybody who's into that sort of thing i highly recommend it Sweetness. Cool. Well, since you're talking, why don't you tell us what your favorite product of the week is? Um, so I am going to actually go. This is a weird one. Um, I have been putting in a lot of time on this guitar here. This is a this is a uh, boutique build called uh it's a it's a relic uh boutique 53 blackguard telecaster. This is like my main guitar. I use this thing for everything. It's by a company called Big Techs that makes some really high-end guitars. Um, so yeah, I've been doing a lot of recording lately and that's part of the reason that I haven't put out as much content is we're really getting this Amplitunes, uh, music service going and it is taking off, which is really good. But now we have the problem of, you know, me being busy doing my normal work and my partner, John being full-time doing other stuff. We're trying to squeeze in, um, you know, recording tracking and producing music into our normal days which is a considerable amount of work i mean every song takes almost the same amount of time as a video takes i mean most of the songs we have you know probably seven to ten hours in a song and we're putting it all out for free fortunately our patreon's starting to take off so that's helping a little bit but that that's the tool that i've put the most time in on this week is that telecaster so nice. i'll see if i can find a link for it yeah it soon in. my intro will actually be uh one that you guys have created so i'm looking forward to that we are yeah we're working on it um so we're so we did some stuff for um uh jimmy we've done some music for him he's going to be putting it in his instagram video and a couple of videos that he has coming out and we're also working with um brad rodriguez <laughs> what's funny I miss that. Uh, in the chat, uh, Gizarkand Gazanked. Gazanked. Asked, uh, nice guitar. How well does it take an edge? <laughs> that was good. I don't have a witty answer for that. I tried. <laughs> um, 
yeah so we're also doing some stuff working on some stuff for brad rodriguez from fix us build that so just trying to get the exposure out there and uh it's it seems to be doing well yeah see if i can cool link sweet well what you got will uh well so i uh my carbide uh scribe my metal scribe um with a magnet on the back because I'm doing this, these uh, marking knives and working more with metal and knife making. Um, I ordered a simple carbide tip metal scribe and it's got a magnet on the back and it's like eight bucks on Amazon. And it's just really nice to, to lay out knives. And then you can use the magnet on the back to tech for, to test for magnetism as you're heating up the, the blades before quenching. And it's just uh just a simple, easy $8 tool that makes my life so much easier. Sweetness. Yeah. Uh, how about you, James? I have to go with the half-inch chisel. No, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> how about the compass plane? I'm going to do something very similar, actually. I'm going to take a half-inch chisel, and I'm going to bend it a little bit and turn it into a gouge. And that's my this is my, my tool for this week. So I've actually been using my, my carving couches a good bit recently. And it is amazing what you can do with a good sharp gouge. And they, they just, they're, they feel fantastic in the wood and see these curls coming up. And if you watch my spoon video, you'll see what I'm talking about when I talk about uh, chocolate ice cream with a gouge. Um, it is, yeah, it, they, they make me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, a good carving gouge. The ones I have are from Two Cherries and they will treat you extremely well. I think that's what we have for this week. Anything else we need to talk about before we go? um well I'm, I'm gonna post that link really quick for anybody curious because i know there's a ton of guitar players that follow this podcast i'm sure it's sarcasm um <laughs> so no, I, apparently I it looks like this is news to me but it looks like this company's went out of business because their web i can't find their website um which is unfortunate because they're they're pretty big Texas, pretty renowned like they they've built guitars for like uh bill kirchin and billy gibbons the Z top so they, they've done a lot of really high-end stuff um there's a link to one that's for sale oh it's sold never mind well there's a picture of it <laughs> so uh yeah i don't know that's kind of a bummer oh yeah oh well bummer. well on that note i want to say a huge thank you for everyone uh joining this week especially those of you in the live chat uh, we love having your comments and questions on there if you'd like to join us every thursday at 10 a.m eastern time you can go to youtube.com uh creators collective and we will uh, love to see you on there Again, I want to say a huge thank you to our patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to find out more about that, you can go to patreon.com backslash creators collective, and we'd love to see you there. I think that's about it for this week. So until next time, have a wonderful day. See you later. Adios. Thanks again for listening to the Creators Collective. We publish weekly on Thursdays in iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can follow us on social media pages everywhere at Creators Collective. We're also live streaming every week on Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Just look up the YouTube channel to join in on the fun of the live chat and get your questions answered live. And until next time, keep on creating.